0: Chapter Review show. It's a chapter Review show. Chapter preview show. It's a chapter Review
1: show. Join us as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on.
2: we are talking about more and more filmmakers. And here we go. We got TV producer and movie and TV writer, David E. Kelly. That's right. Emmy Award winner. I'm sure he's won a bunch of Golden Globes. And uh, with me today is TV fanatic, Brenda Wood. Welcome.
3: (laughs) Welcome. Welcome. It's nice to get up and do something like this and talk about some of my interests and as I said, you know, I'm um, um, doing something a little bit new. I've never been part of a podcast before. So um, this is kind of cool. <laughs> so thank you for for uh, for inviting Again. me to do this. And I hope uh, I hope you like what I have to say.
2: <laughs> I hope I don't offend anyone either. But yeah. There we go. Uh, so <laughs> I, and getting some of these filmmakers is hard sometimes because sometimes we've seen a bunch of their work but we don't know how much of an overview we can do, and you know, there's only so much time, especially if it involves TV. So.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, David Kelly for me, um, like I was just saying uh, before you before you started recording. Um, and I thought you were recording and I didn't realize you weren't. Um, I, I, uh, that's me, that's me not knowing how the meeting.
2: I was not sure if you wanted me to record or not, but it's all good. Yeah, it's
3: all good. It's all good. Um, so I, uh, when you asked me to, to, to join you today, I, I did have to go back and look at some of the shows. Like I didn't watch anything. Because um, not everything is available for streaming um, on all platforms. And as I mentioned, I'm in Canada, so um, we don't have Hulu here. We have something called Crave. Um, I spend money on cable um, in order to get some of the streaming services. I have, like, Netflix and um, I have Prime. Um, I've got Disney. I've got um, the nice. Crave, which gives you access to um I guess what they call some of the Hulu shows. So um I don't always think of them as being Hulu shows. I think of them as being on crave. Uh, but anyway, I uh you know some of the more recent stuff that he's done, um I'm trying to think now, Big Little Lies, um nine perfect strangers I think was him. We saw both of those, my husband and I. I did not yet see the undoing, wanted to, but there's a list of shows the length of my arm. And sadly, I don't get paid uh, to watch
2: TV full time. <laughs> <laughs> we are not because TV critics, last we checked. I, just... I,
3: there, are, there are jobs that I would love to have. I love the job that I do have. I tutor kids in, uh, in French and French immersion, which is huge up here. I'm bilingual English French. Um, but, uh, um, you know, um, in my spare time, especially with coronavirus, um, watch a lot of TV. <laughs> and so, um, and growing up, I, uh, I was always interested in pop culture and TV and just some different circumstances. I was ill for a little while, um, especially in the winter. I mean, it's Canada from November to, to, to March it's, it's frozen. So if you're not a big fan of cold weather or you don't have the money to go skiing, you kind of tend to stay home. Um, so, and I found watching TV and doing my homework soothing, even when I was, you know, in high school in the eighties, So um, I did always did well didn't have a TV in my room, but I would go down into the room where there was TV and put it on and my parents weren't TV watchers except for my mom liking her soap opera, and uh, my dad would watch the news and that was kind of it. So um, they weren't big movie goers either. Either of my parents, um, and it was a big part of of what I enjoyed. So you know, I used my allowance money to go to the movies, and nobody was saying, "Oh, Brenda, you shouldn't be watching that show," because they weren't even following pop culture to know what shows were appropriate for kids and what weren't. Um, but uh, that could be different shows. I think David Kelly kind of got started. I was already in my late teens, early twenties, so you know, I was watching what I wanted for sure. Um, loved a lot of his stuff when I went back and looked um in order to prepare for today because I was like David Kelly okay the ones I remember you know picket fences Chicago hope um you know big little lies and I was like what are the other ones that were him right and, right. and found a bunch and found a bunch and just were like oh right that was David Kelly that was David Kelly that was David Kelly so that's kind of what I've been doing the last week for my homework
2: and it was so wild. And I I always thought he was just very well researched and everything. I had no idea until years later. It was like, oh, he was an actual lawyer yes. <laughs> in LA before he became a screenwriter. And so he just used this experience. Um, he's quoted as saying, Uh, that often we try to seduce the audience at the beginning, that this is going to be fun, a romp or a ride. And then once the ride has begun to reveal some serious subject matter for them to think about. So he, that pretty much is is him in one scoop. He likes to have some absurdity, some satire, and then just some other hard pressed issues.
3: (laughs) I see that. And I remember that. Um, Again, I can't think of any specific sort of episodes Um, But just in general, the ones that I watched, that's exactly how I would describe it. Um, You know, I think I think of, you know, Ali McBeal and the and the sort of the fantasies and the dreams that she had. And this was, you know, um, you know, a lawyer. Exactly. And Picket Fences was always quirky. And if you had to ask me words that I would use to describe some of David Kelly's characters and his shows, it would be that quirky, eccentric sort of satire with the social commentary. Maybe it, it, it's kind of like that spoonful of sugar to help you swallow the social commentary. I hope it landed with most of his viewers. It did with me. Um, I always learned something, you know, character of the week, story of the week, even in something like a Chicago Hope. I learned more from some of those, those medical and legal shows than I think I would have. Um, and again, being a Canadian, I learned a lot about the American system. Um, and nice.
2: how done. <laughs> you guys got um, better over there than we do <laughs>
3: So when it comes to health care yeah but uh but there, there are criticisms <laughs> of it too right everybody gets it for free um which is very very egalitarian and how it should be but of course there's never enough resources to meet everybody's needs timely and no. so um people who are rich um don't get preferential treatment here um but good you know I. <laughs> I need a knee replacement, I go on a wait list and and wait maybe three or four years to get it done, right? Um, So the argument for that, if it's affordable, you know, do we want to privatize? And I think the answer up here is no, because there are so many people who are uh, middle class and, and lower middle class and so many people who just simply couldn't afford it. So I like the idea that our provinces, which is, you know, equivalent to your states, only they're bigger. Um, you know, we have 10 provinces, you guys have 50 states, um, and then we have three territories, but they're so far up north. It's, um, you know, um, it's, 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 it's a it's a different system. Um, but, uh, just looking at some of the things, and I mean, a lot of the writers and directors now, um, you know, you're not talking Dick Wolf and I haven't watched all the law and order stuff at all. Um, but some okay. of the stuff that I have watched, um, is that, um, is that you learn a lot while you're being entertained. And I think David Kelly, David Kelly hit the mark on that a lot of the time. You'd watch something like uh, the James Spader and and William Shatner friendship on yes. you know, and you'd be like, Danny Crane, Danny Crane, Danny Crane. And you'd just be like, this is ridiculous. But in between all of that, you've got to see something like the friendship and the respect that would grow, even while they would have these ridiculous arguments and these fights. Um, and then of course, James Spader is off now doing blacklist and, uh, um, you know, so it's, it's it's interesting there to see how how some of these uh, these people that sort of started on a David Kelly show either came back to him or they moved on um, to to do you know bigger bigger things and more different things. I I won't. He say was that.
2: often working for the Fox Television through his own company, and then it's like after a while he started getting offers from uh, Disney and Universal. Now and I'm like, yes, but it was a very unusual evolution. Cause like you say, it just, it, you you knew him somewhere somehow, but he always had like either a comedy or a drama on on TV. And yeah, like you he say, was
3: always on one would get canceled. Another one would start, one would come to an end. There'd be maybe a year's delay and then there'd be another one or two shows of his, you know, um, I would say uh, through the nineties, that was he was he was one of the people that was uh, that was dominating television in the 90s. Um, a you know, thousand like percent. I said, yeah. You know, a date of uh, Ally McBeal, uh, Boston Legal, The Practice. I'm naming them out of order, I'm sure. Chicago Hope, Picket Fences. Um, those are the big ones that come to mind for Definitely me. Definitely the too. big ones. You know, I watched Doogie Howser. Um, I watched that one with Robin Williams. I forget what it was called. Uh, it was the only-
2: Crazy Ones, yeah. That was his final role. And he final did a role. funny sitcom with uh, Kathy Bates called Harry's Law. It was kind of fun. And there was also I Boston think- Public, which was about the inner city school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Um, I'm saying that and it's coming to mind,
2: yes. So it's interesting As- how you brought up dick wolf so they both have a connection so basically both their mentors were Stephen bochco okay so you know bochco created ellie LA law and then handed it off to kelly when he saw his cult comedy from the hip starring judd nelson and that's another movie it's kind of it really is quite a funny movie that even gets referenced on other sitcoms like psych and yeah bochco saw that and said hey this guy even though he did it just for fun you know in in addition to his real estate legal career is like, this guy's got some talent. I could use him on my show, which I'm now departing and I need a head writer. So.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And, and then I think what happened was the David Kelly kind of took over and, and the show got really, really good, you know? Um, and then I remember there was one where he, he left for a little while Maybe that was a couple of shows. I was reading that. You know, that, that
2: left. Yeah, that, but, that 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 was the one. Uh, he got like, he got bored with it after season five, and then they realized, oh well, you we you, you, you abandoned ship too soon, buddy. We got yeah. we need you back, and we
3: need you back to save the show. And uh, and I yeah. remember as a viewer, um, I can't think of again specific episodes or chapter and verse, but I did remember. And again, I was saying, you know, before we started the podcast today um, doing the, the, uh, the thing where, you, you know, you're watching a show and something kind of changes and you're not necessarily watching all of the credits. Um, again, with names of people that you don't know. And I was one of those people that, uh, that was, you know, raised to just think about the actors, right? Cause that's what you saw, um, as a consumer and as a teenager and an early twenties person, you weren't in the industry um, which most Canadians were not. Um, and growing up, I wanted to be an actress, I wanted to get involved. Oh, really? But just wrong, oh yeah, wrong, wrong time, wrong time, wrong place, right? Uh now, you know, you can put together stuff on YouTube, you can have content on different iMovies, you can be on TikTok. I think I would have enjoyed having these different media, you know, like Justin Bieber gets discovered by Usher you know, from a YouTube channel or something like that. Um, <laughs> you right. You know, when I was a kid, when I was a kid in the 70s, you know, you could maybe do a couple of plays um, in some of the big cities. I grew up in Ottawa. We had National Arts Center. I auditioned for a couple of roles. I think I did a background, you know, orphan number 37 in one, um, but there wasn't any pay or anything from it. Um, it, it just, you, you had to move to LA or New York. And I mean, not only were we not American, but my family was not going to uproot from living in in Ottawa to like move to LA. My dad had a job. It was here. And he was like, you know, when you're an adult, maybe you can do that. And then we just, it, it, life didn't lead me in that path. Right. So um, now you can do movies in, you know, Hamilton and Toronto and Hollywood North has become a thing. Right. Um, British Columbia, um, and and uh, most of Ontario is used for shows like Shits Creek, used for all different stuff. But that's getting off topic from David Kelly.
2: Well, no, that's, um, it, that is so, it's somewhat on point. It, it was interesting how various countries were used for different uh, tax-saving credits, you know?
3: Yeah, you know, exactly. And so what I'm getting to with that in my roundabout way is that um, you started to, as you grew up, started to hear more about the people who were the creators and who were the writers. And then it sort of hits you in the face, you know, like an ice cold bucket of water. You're like, well, of course, the actors, you know, team beat and tiger beat and, and, oh my God, the TV guy uh, would talk about the stars, but then they started to get away from just talking about the stars because they had these smart creators who came out of um, creators, writers, producers, who were big names and who came from, you know, a career that wasn't sort of Hollywood elite. It was, you know, a guy who was a lawyer. Who I
2: always heard he was a very nice guy too. I
3: And a nice, a nice guy, yeah, yeah.
2: And, I mean, that's the other thing too. He was just known, I mean... You you knew he was married to actress uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, but you never knew really anything else other than that, and that he would just give very funny interviews and yeah. talk about how he came up with these various concepts. And I think that was just refreshing because it seemed like for a while there would be, you know, you'd see people interviewed, but they were often just off their rockers or hard to classify. And I think he he pretty much just let his work speak for himself. <laughs>
3: Yes, and he was always, from what I remember, very classy. And then um, I can't think of, um, you know, with a lot of this stuff that's come out recently with, you know, me too, I get scared because, um, again, being the age that I am, one thing is that there are um, people who are predators, and that needs to be called out. And there are people um, who just... You know, myself included, we grew up, you know, and it's privilege, um, and I recognize it, but we, the stuff that we laughed at, the stuff that we thought was funny before the internet, before social media, before we had a way to communicate with people around the world and see, you know, the different horrors that truly are happening in some countries you know it was just let's laugh at at some of the what we call now the tropes right the cliches mm-hmm. the scary. Um, but back in the 70s and the 80s television was you know kind of new and it was coming into its its hugest hugest period ever where every storyline seemed fresh you know a threes company you know and it was all laughing about uh, about you know jack and 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 was he gay Right. And so mm-hmm. we grew up raised on that and laughing at that because it just seemed sort of ridiculous that, you know, the Mr. Roper, you know, w- didn't think that, 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 that he needed that in order for the guy to live with two girls. Right. Today, you wouldn't do that. And so um, the things that I laughed at myself, the things that I thought were funny, the things that I accepted as behavior um, isn't really a thing anymore. And we've seen that, you know, with Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby and just all of this sort of stuff. Where I think with David Kelly, um, none of that has, has been a thing. And
2: He's that would have been, been disturbing people. too when you're dealing with so many legal issues <laughs> if you, you well, had someone and- just behaving on your set. <laughs>
3: You know, and then we've seen stars have meltdowns. We've seen directors have meltdowns. We've seen um, a lot of the drama. And now nothing is really a secret, if not for long. It just depends on who's reading your news, you know, and who's watching, you know, who's watching the show. Um, There are people who watch the show who don't want to know what's happening outside of the show. Um, They don't want to discuss it. They just like to watch it. They don't want to get to know the characters, the producers, any of that. Then there are people like me who, um, you know, didn't watch all the credits when I was younger. And now, um, you know, when I say now, it's been like 25 years. Um, But in my my 20s, you know, discovered that that was important and that these people, you know, no duh, Brenda. Like, how do you think the hair looked so good or where do you think the costumes came from? And so um, we'll admit that I don't know everybody, um, but really started paying more attention to that. And paying more attention to that at the Oscars and the different awards that were on on TV, Golden Globes, you know, uh, best cinematography, best editing, best everything. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, watching for more of that and saying, well, if if this movie had it, even though this movie didn't get nominated or this TV show didn't get nominated, clearly they have those people on set too. Um, And so paying more attention to that and being more intentional about getting to know who is involved in a project and how many projects those people can be involved in at once you know like the prop runners and the boom operators and 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 just all of that and uh,
2: and cinematographers now are a big (laughs) thing with movies now everyone's paying more attention to them than ever because they want to know why something just looks so stunning and it's It's interesting that you mentioned that because it's I, i think it's helped that there's a lot of actors who have now gotten into the industry so like if people see Ron Howard's producing something or Tina Fey's coming out with a wacky script, then everyone's instantly interested because they're so familiar with their on-screen persona.
3: On-screen, yeah. And and learning about now how Broadway actors will, um, you know, often do TV, especially in New York, um, you know, between There'll shows. There'll be a
2: cartoon voiceover and then, yeah, they'll appear in one of the New exactly. York-based shows, so
3: those and then all the voiceovers and then even to to pay attention not only as i was saying in canada in the states too all filmed in hollywood in new york there is a lot of location stuff and so um getting to know you know in canada in the states um obviously i'm not as familiar with the european and african locations until a movie comes out and they say they were filming in malta or they were filming in morocco or whatever and yeah it looks good it looks really good right, Australia, New Zealand, and that that can be subbed in as, uh, as American or uh, a Canadian, you know, like Schitt's Creek, for example. But getting back to David Kelly, just what I liked about his stuff was that um, in a nutshell, he could introduce you to some of the quirkiest, uh, bizarre situations, and yet they were believable uh, for at least five years, um, <laughs> right, <laughs> which I think is pretty cool. Like you know, a young guy becomes a doctor, like twelve-year-old genius kid becomes, or was he fourteen or something? Becomes a doctor, and that opened you up to searching in the news. Uh, you know, like okay, where did this story come from? And you were then able to, uh, you know, learn that yeah, there are kids who are in college. Um, you know, your gifted classmate might well go on to be someone who's who's getting their career started early. And I like to think, you know, something like Doobie Hauser, you know, kind of led us to, to young Sheldon and, and and the Big Bang Theory, you know. Um, and, I think and- so,
2: because he had something for everybody. He would have something for the kids. He'd have something for the <laughs> older adult crowd. And uh, he was, I never, there was even just something for just, I think, just the entire just either gender, either demographic. There's just always yeah. just something. And you never knew where it was going. Like, because like, like you say, and Fences is kind of a family show, but then it's also kind of a weird Twin Peaks X-Files kind of show. So exactly. it's uh, the fact that he wanted to cross it over yet kind of still made you kind of wonder if it is kind of in the same universe somehow, somewhere. And, um, and I think- he does a little funny other Easter eggs too. Like it took me a while to actually realize the practice alley and, uh, legal were all in the same universe because everyone came, even Boston Publics. You know, the school one is in the same universe, and I, I didn't know. I just saw parts of those and didn't. They were just so different. I didn't put that together. I was like, oh, those are all related. Okay, interesting. Yeah,
3: did, yeah didn't some of those characters, some of those characters and storylines started crossovers too, didn't
2: they? Uh, yeah, and he's still yeah. to date like the one to win like. Uh, I think let me see. Uh, I think it's the Golden Globe for uh, best drama and best comedy in the same year. So, I mean,
3: <laughs> yeah, and I like now that shows um, are they're kind of following that model, um, where it's not just a suspense, it's a you know, it's a comedy and a thriller at the same time, and I think that. Other people, I mean, you can't help but learn from the pioneers who came before you, right? Um, and so I like that David Kelly's things always feel a little bit fresh. Um, I noticed he's lately doing a lot of work with with Nicole Kidman. Um, there's been yes. big, big Lies. There's been Nine Perfect Strangers. Um,
2: Even when way- I'm disappointed by one of his shows, like I was disappointed by Big Sky. It just wasn't all that interesting A kidnapping mo- show. But see it was still unlike anything else that's on right now. So I think that's just it. Like if he has a show that captures your attention or that you kind of just shrug and don't really care for, you're still just like, yeah, I can see why everyone was attached to that though. Unlike other shows where you're like, what were they thinking? You know?
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because like I say, you know, even with the PVR, the tapes, eight shows in a day, You know, I don't have eight hours to watch TV every day. No. Um, You know, there's different things going on. So I have to pick and choose. Sadly, we didn't do Big Sky. We chose something else. But the beauty that what I'm hoping, I'm hoping, um, is Netflix and and Crave, as I said, which is kind of like our HBO, Hulu, and um, sometimes Peacock shows, stuff like that, like shows that You know, you wouldn't think would be available outside of the US. Don't get me started on geo-locking because that is a conversation that I can have for three
0: hours.
3: (laughs) So frustrating. Um, Canada and America are very different, but we're also very similar. And we share our entertainment cross-border. And every now and again, there'll be a show or an actor will talk about an indie movie that they've done or a show that's available on Hulu. And then I go to Crave or I think, okay, I have to wait six months. But then it's just like crickets. Like I recently subscribed to um, RBET up here um, because I wanted to watch the game uh, 2021. Um, and it's got some good talent in it, nothing to do with David Kelly. And uh, I'm a big Tim Daly fan, right? Um, have yeah. been since wings, just loved him and Madam Secretary. And really want to see this show. I subscribe to Paramount Plus. Uh, Paramount Plus in Canada doesn't have it. Um, I subscribe to <laughs> ET in Canada, BET in Canada doesn't have it. Hello, I would like to watch this show. And I pay streaming services, but at the border, the signal's turned off. I'm not sure why. Probably gets into all sorts of licensing and costs and stuff. But what I'm learning now is rather than just be the person that says, you know, oh, forget it, it's never going to happen, because of spaces like social media and an ability to contact these companies or talk to other like-minded individuals, I like social media for good right? And that's where I can reach out and I can be literally tweeting to some of these companies and say, could you please let me know if this is going to be available? Whereas 20 and 30 years ago, you couldn't do that. You had to like send a snail mail letter and hope that maybe it landed on somebody's desk, right? Um, and I think that David Kelly just existing at the time that he did, I mean, he still does, obviously, but being one of those people that was around in you know, at the beginning of these different types of shows, he had that fresh landscape and that interesting background, you know, being a lawyer, being a people watcher, of of knowing people from all of these different sort of walks of life and these different career paths and being able to do the research. And it wasn't tired. You know, there hadn't been 30 TV shows. There hadn't been 8 million law, cop and doctor shows. The genre genre was just getting going. And he was part of it. Right. So he a thousand had,
2: percent. He,
3: yep. you know, he had the picket fences with the quirkiness, he had Ally McBeal, he had the practice, he had, you know, um, Boston Legal as the as the as the spin-off sort of from there. And giving a lot of these And
2: that ac- took me a while to realize, it's like, wow, those guys started on that show, which was serious, and then that final year, like I don't think any other show has been able to do that well where they kind of keep the same tone and then slowly have some you know, nutty new characters who just totally still that show and make everyone forget, oh, there's a lot of cast changes. But, I mean, he had to do that because basically his budget got stripped away, and so he's like, I can't hire some of the same people I've had since we were out the door running. So I think, he, like you say, he found ways to be creative and never yeah. do the same thing again and again. Like, you can't compare any of these shows. You can, but they are not even... It's not <laughs> even close.
3: Yeah, it's not even close. And then some of the stuff that's memorable, as I said, I don't, I can't, I can't go back and rewatch all this stuff, but even just having you say, you know, and I went back on the internet, I'm like, okay, hey, David, Kelly, David, 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 there were a couple that stuck in my mind. Um, and then I went back and I just did a little bit of an internet search and I was just like, yes, I watched that. And I remember this. And Oh, I watched that. And I remember that. And Oh, right. Doogie Hauser, And just like, You know, it just right away. And and the quirky makes it memorable um, and funny, but it also makes these people seem relatable. And that's the big thing now, I think, in TV is people want authentic characters. People are tired of being lied to. They're tired of of duplicity um, and they want truth. And so a character who is flawed, but not necessarily flawed as a criminal, but just flawed as a human, um, and I think we saw a lot of that in Big Little Lives, right? With the women, um, you know, they're moms and they're successful. Um, and they seem to have money, but yet, you know, they look like dumpster fires behind doors in <laughs> closed uh, doors.
2: Totally. They're One... yelling
3: at their kids and they're and they're competing with the Joneses and they're stressed about their family and family mm. secrets. And I mean, what family doesn't have that, right? There's always that family member that just you just in your own personal life I have them in mind right um because who knows who's going to hear this right but we all have you know cousins and brothers and kids and 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 maybe it's the spouse right and 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 you're just kind of like how am I ever going to solve this problem and then you realize (laughs) rich and famous have the same problems you do and so it's kind of opened that up and media now, I think, for actors and actresses and producers and, and, and for, for EPs, executive producers and directors, and we all kind of get to, to follow them and to, and to read what they have to say. Um, you know, an example of that to me is Eric Stoltz, right? Like, Eric Stoltz was on Chicago Hope. I'd forgotten about
2: that. He was great there, but yeah.
3: Great there. And, I mean, tying that back to my favorite Madam Secretary right now, you know, um, on the show and, and behind the scenes with the show, and uh, he, he works with Bull a lot. And just how these actors, it's just, it's kind of like an explosion, kind of like spider webs that have, um, in a good way, you watch like Cameron Mannheim, these, these characters didn't do a David Kelly show and disappear. They, most of them did a David Kelly show and then they were everywhere, right? Yeah. So I i just- and he
2: gave to- all the characters something to do Uh, as opposed to just standing there doing nothing, not sure what to do, like, by... And sometimes you can tell he was kind of just too brilliant for his own good. Like, Boston Legal often ends with them reminiscing on a rooftop about, you know, their politics and how they're friends. And he's like, that wasn't even intended. But, you know, by episode two, we knew we're going to end every episode this way. I'm like, well, see, that's just it. At least you know... And... uh in special features for that show, he even remarks about how he doesn't believe in uh, backstory. Cause you know, he learned the hard way if you introduce something and it's not working, it's very hard to pivot out of that. So he's just like, uh, he, he essentially, uh, uh one guy who was the creative consultant on both Chicago hope and directed and produced a bunch of his shows was Bill D. Alaya. He's the, uh, Uh, father of comedian chris d'olio who recently got in some me too trouble as well as um the creator of judging amy so there you go he launched a bunch of careers behind the scenes as well and but that guy noted how you know often david just gives you the keys to his cars and you gotta just you know be on his level but Everyone's motivated to be on his level because he's like, he, he does so much of the writing. He's not like most producers where, you know, they just come up with, write the first two episodes and then tell you the rules, you know, and approve who's going to write what he, he would do so much rewriting and then even just coming up with the stories and then writing them. And uh, I read uh, on one glossary how, he wasn't always that way at first he was not wanting to really let anyone in. And then eventually I think he pretty much all at LA law, those time he was there, he pretty much had time to learn how any show can just eventually go downhill. And he pretty much just had to give his uh, anything he was doing a hundred percent, uh, you know, after a while, it was like, eventually it will go downhill. And sometimes it would cause he would just have to leave. He was, be starting a few different shows, so I think now you know he's got so much in production. He's got a miniseries version of Presumed Innocent by Scott Turow in development for Apple.
3: That see, that's the kind of thing that that intrigues me, and I'll i want to watch that. Oh,
2: you dull know, he he's got...
3: Yeah, and I love that the different development deals that, like as you say, that are that are that are getting started, and and I'm learning too. You know, being the age that I am, fifty one. Um, how to transform my TV watching. Um, It used to be uh, that literally, you know, we had, I've watched TV grow from black and white, well, black and white to color. We had a black and white set, even though it was the early seventies, getting a color set, then getting a remote, then getting a VCR. Like I grew up through that in the seventies and the eighties. Right. And then, Uh um, you know, like I said, Tiger beat, uh, People magazine, you know, um, even some of the tabloids until you realize that that was just kind of crazy and uh, and and how those headlines could still suck you in. You know, you'd be standing there at the grocery store and you'd be reading and then you'd be like, OK, Brenda, no, don't revel in people's misery. And, and none of that's true. Right. Or there might be a grain of truth and somebody's just run with it and made it into something eight hundred and fifty thousand times bigger than it ever needed to be right? But things like in style, where um, you started to connect with these, it used to be like, you know, the little people that watched the TV and the people that created the shows, and you could never sort of merge the two. It was mysterious, and it was all part of that, you know... He was pretty
2: much getting the ones who were in movies but were being underused, so yeah, he was kind of cheating it a little bit before it became, oh, now you're acknowledging both mediums and... Yeah,
3: and, and letting people, and that whole, that whole uh, the mysticism is still there, but we get to know more about our characters. And so the transformational TV watching lets you really appreciate these characters. And then you see what they go on and do. And I think they're influenced having worked with Kelly because they've seen how to do a character that is not sort of, you know, one or two dimensional. They've learned how to do characters that have some depth and that have, you know, everything from the professional side, to how they treat their family, to how they treat, you know, um, you know, the PTA council that they're on, to, to even getting involved in, in collaborating behind the scenes on the show. And, and so watching that as a viewer is beautiful, because when you then go and follow someone on social media, or, You know, you pick up an interview. It's not just the standard spoilers like, well, how did you feel? How nice are the clothes? Isn't it awesome to be in this show? You know, that's, that's sort of still there, but there's so much more to it. And I think David Kelly really was a pioneer in giving us characters that were like that. You would laugh and cry with these characters in the show. Um, you know, you'd, you'd you'd want to smack Denny Crane, and to me that was a big one because Shatner's is Captain Kirk, right? Um, right. There, are, there are people, <laughs> there are people who are characters, and they can't sort of get get out of them. Um, you know, they're beautiful, brilliant characters, but the trouble. And who is would have thought comedy, he
2: could do that whatever. kind of comedy? You know. <laughs> you
3: know. And so I, I I I know Kelly Kelly Kelsey Grammer has 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 tried to break out of the Frasier, but he was Frasier for so long. But depending on what cable services you you have, you might not have known that he's tried a couple of other roles, um, and some of them worked and some of them didn't. Um, that's just you know that example. Whereas with uh, with uh, with William Shatner, such a big role in Denny Crane. There are people out there that you ask about William Shatner, Bill Shatner, and it's like, oh well, he was on Star Trek and he was on Boston Legal, and so able to break. I know he that, did
2: that with a I, bunch. He took a bunch of even just veterans and when you even have them be in like brief recurring roles or featured yes. guest spots and it yes.
3: yeah like Hector Elizondo you know um yeah back just everywhere and and you and know virtually
2: everyone with- on Chicago Hub I noticed has started directing a bunch of his shows or they became actor turned directors like Peter Berg and John Favreau were on there Vonda Curtis Hall another one right like- jane brooke is now on star trek discovery so it's like yeah that's, yeah that's yeah position.
3: and uh oh who else was i going to bring up that i noticed moved around a lot like that uh
2: alan um, adam arkin who is also yeah. been doing a lot of directing and but everyone previously knew him is like hey is that one guy who's the son of alan arkin <laughs> like, yeah
3: and then uh i was going to say Courtney Thorne smith if i'm getting the name right i mean i can't think of the order of the shows now but yeah you know Melrose Place, that that weird that funky sitcom in the in the You got people from
2: all kinds of walks of life. You get them from soap walks. operas and other sitcoms, yeah. and put them in a serious show. Uh, Who's the other guy? Uh, Lucy Liu was on there, So it was like, yeah, yeah. everybody got their start on some kind of show, and
3: kind of show. Um I and mean, then I, I don't remember who did Brothers and Sisters. I don't think that was David Kelly. Um uh, but I
2: but that was Callista, yeah. <laughs>
3: that was Callista, right? And Callista moved and did, you know, and I thought I liked her on Alan field but it was a little quirky, a little weird. And then I loved her as Kitty, you know, with Rob Lowe on uh, on uh, on um Brothers and Sisters. And so you tended to follow the actors and you started to realize you were following the writers too. And it became something um, the writers and the creators and it became something like like you know okay oh this is a david kelly show well then frig i'm in
2: right yeah and, had- and ali both had some stuff that didn't age too well but i mean there's even some shows that you can even still find by him that are on youtube that yeah are bound to become you, know, you just have a feeling that they're kind of cult hits in their own right like uh and just like his movies i mean julian on her 37th birthday is kind of a, oh, a cult yes. movie that started yes. his wife, and I saw it, and I was like, that was just a pleasant Frank Capra-esque kind of movie, but, I mean, Mystery Alaska and Lake Placid came out in the same year, and they're both very outrageous comedies. One's kind of making fun of creature features. The other's making fun of, again, kind of like picking fences, small-minded people in a small town who, uh, you know, are on this cocky sports team, and so it's like, not, neither did too hot with critics, but they're kind of, I see people constantly referencing them in some capacity and it's like, well, so there you go. He, he just, uh, but I think he just, he's stuck with TV is like, okay, the right people get it, but movies are a little too risky because you're only, you know, if they don't perform, then you're out of the game. So it's just better off to just stick with TV because, you know, you can keep evolving it. <laughs>
3: and you keep evolving it and you can re- retool it. And then now, um, uh, I don't know how it works in terms of paying the artists and stuff. I certainly hope
2: that, that it goes get residuals, back. yeah, especially for residuals. writers.
3: And, and what I'm discovering now is that, you know, as I said to you um, at the beginning of the show <laughs> or before we started rolling, that, uh, you know, with the VCR, you had to choose, right? In the in the, in the time that... My
2: mother of- was the same way. She'd come home and want to watch Hope, but she had to make sure, you know, okay, you, you just got home now, but you, you got <laughs> to start watching? watching now.
3: And then they moved some of his shows around too, which is tough and and, and and ended, ended some of them because they were like Thursday night shows and they became Tuesday night shows. And I was one of those people that followed. Um, but not everybody has the time for that. Um, my husband and I couldn't have kids, right? Which, I mean, we've long since made our peace with and I tutor kids and I have 30 kids that I oh, nice. work with. So that's, you know, that's fine absolutely fine. But people with kids that are kind of like, okay, my show, it comes on on Tuesdays. It comes on at eight o'clock. They sit down, they put it on. It's not there anymore. They're just like, well, Fred, where'd it go? And then they can't watch it for six weeks. You know, um, shows that are put on Sunday night on CBS. I don't know who had the football contract first, but I know for me, um, you know, and I know you might want to shoot me for this. Cause I know America's <laughs> football. I dislike Sunday night TV show programming um not because i mean i love madam secretary but this is what i can i say pisses me off pisses me off is that they'll put on a 10 o'clock show and be damned if during football season you can ever watch that show it's moved football never ends on time ever ever and yeah. so supposed to start at 10 starts at 10 30 10 45 well i gotta tell you if you've set a PVR to tape your 10 p.m. show and Monday morning- You're only
2: gonna up, see 10 minutes of it, yeah.
3: You're only gonna see 10 minutes of it. You get mad and you might stop watching the show. Um, you know, People don't have time. Um, but with streaming services now in the mix, um, in the, my husband will joke that I'm living in the 1990s again because um, I'm going back and I'm finding shows that, and that's the other thing too. Now that they've got this binge watching thing going on, which is a different delivery system where you're meant to watch the whole show in a week or two weeks or even in a weekend span, um, you have to really watch your continuity um, and all of that because people will literally sit there and watch two episodes, three episodes, four episodes in a row and be like, why is that history different? And oh, this character did this. Whereas um, when it was a weekly serial, I forgot,
0: right? Because you
3: watch (laughs) it, it'd be on for 12 weeks. It would be off over Christmas. It would come back in January with two or three episodes. Then it might do three or four for February sweeps. Then they'd be off in March. And then they'd come back for, you know, eight episodes. And then there'd be a
2: cliffhanger. They have recaps, but it only works so much, yeah.
3: It only worked. And so year to year, you didn't always remember what happened or you forgot. They do a flashback show to remind you what happened. In the first two or three seasons, because by season six, you're like, oh, right, that was the guy's dad, or he did mention that he dated this character, and we haven't seen her in four years or or whatever, right? Now... You can go back, you know, and, and when you have a memory that starts to fade, which starts to happen at my age, um, you can go back and, and binge the shows. And some of them work on a binge platform. Some of them don't. But what it does is it allows you to see it and go, you know, I'm snapping my fingers. And it's like, yeah, 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 yes. Right. So they're not all David <laughs> Kelly, shows, but there's some David Kelly shows just by virtue of you bringing this up and asking me to do this. I'm like damn, I'm going to see if I can find some of these old shows because it has been a while, you know? Um, Like I noticed when, um, when Tom Skerritt came on and again, I'm going back to Madam Secretary, I apologize. Tom Skerritt was Tim Daly's dad. And I'm thinking to myself, how does that work? Are they
0: really that
3: high (laughs) on the page? But I don't really remember. I remember Picket Fences as being like 30 years ago. So you know, 25, 30 years ago. So so maybe that's possible, but maybe it isn't. Maybe Tim and Tom were only like 10 years apart in age. And no, there you
2: mind. go. Yeah. You know? The the casting was always inspired, but at the same time, like you say, yeah. it was interesting in that you never really knew uh, what kind of a show you were going to get. And But like you also stated, it was, uh, uh, from that point on, you would kind of remember... Uh, when you saw them in future roles like yeah weren't they on some kind of wacky just nutty nutty show and of course you know Kelly's behind it so it's like yeah that's why I remember the character because they came up with this but yeah um, it it was also interesting in that um, yeah I mean I I, I saw that with plenty of their other ones I I love how basically Mark Harmon pretty much took everyone he worked with on Chicago Hope and just moved him over to NCIS uh, Rocky Carroll especially and both of them even got into some occasional directing as well. So I think that's just it. He brought out the best in everybody. They they just became yeah. increasingly inspired.
3: Yeah, and a lot of people, I think, owe their extended careers to that because they were so memorable that other writers, producers, directors, and creators wanted to work with them because they did such a good job. And I think, like you say, Kelly gave everybody a chance. And um, it
2: just... He inserts a lot of other uh Easter eggs too since they were Fox properties like uh yeah. in I think it's Boston public and parts I could have sworn I heard it in an episode of the practice. Basically he implies that the hospital they're going to, since it's set in Boston, is actually the titular hospital from St. Elsewhere. So I was like, that's funny, but uh Boston Legal, they imply that they're eating at the same cafeteria as the one in Cheers. So I was like, geez, this is a twisted universe that they're creating here.
3: Yeah. Very much so. Now that you say that, I'm, I'm remembering some of that. And at the time, <laughs> I'd kind be of blown away. And then um, it was kind of a way to do a crossover without actually having to do a crossover sometimes. Just mentioning something. And then seeing the characters and...
2: and- Even Chicago Hope, they imply that they're trained by Dr. Craig and a bunch of other people oh, yeah. <laughs> from elsewhere. Yeah. So I'm like, so that's funny. Is like, uh, that just shows you how how much they just love what they're doing instead of like you say that just getting too cute for their own good and you're just like uh okay
3: (laughs) yeah and the research that goes into it to make those things stick so you're not talking about being trained in a hospital that really was in a different city i found that again probably because he was a lawyer stickler for details right and so um the characters were consistent it wasn't like, you know, he forgot or got lazy about it. And again, I remember reading, I forget who said the quote, but it was, it was something like, you know, well, David left and we just started to watch the show, you know, fall apart. And they needed, they needed 10 writers to come on and 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 different producers to come on to do the job of one David, you know? And so they wanted him back. Um, and he just had this dedication to, to getting it right most of the time i'm sure there were mistakes and foibles and things uh, at least but he was, owned
2: up to it instead of just letting up. it get progressively worse
3: worse yeah and um i remember reading some articles about how i think it was with chicago hope that the show was and i did notice changes in it and then how he was coming back and how they did renew it for that sixth season um and they kind of wrapped stuff up and he came back and he at least got them a sixth season and then a lot of those characters moved on to other things. Like, you know, Mandy Patinkin went on and did Criminal Minds, and then
2: um, oh yeah, and Thomas Gibson. So there's another connection, but yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. So moving on to other shows with other people, but and then you know, um, not always liking where they went, which I think was what with Mandy's. Mandy's didn't didn't enjoy. Um, I can't speak for him because I don't know him, but from what I've read, uh,
2: uh, yeah, he.
3: Didn't, didn't love Criminal Minds. Didn't love the 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 the, the sick and depraved depraved storylines that were coming up every week, and just didn't want to do it past season two, right? So, um, but I mean, I love Mandy, and I'm I'm watching him now in um, uh, what is it the the, the Good Fight, and uh, you yeah. know, of course, we all seen the Princess Bride. He was great in and the
2: Homeland, and so yeah, he...
3: yeah, just just sort of everywhere. And uh, and again, like it just you kind of look back and I think David Kelly is one of those people where if you look at a lot of the people in New York and in Hollywood and in Chicago, um, you know, but in in this in this this field, this entertainment field, and you'll be able to draw a lot of lines for actors and actresses and other people that work behind the scenes. And he's one of those people that you can draw those lines back to like a seminal icon that you just without him, I think a lot of these people might've pursued different paths or it might've been very, very different, you know? Um, and now we recognize them. Someone walks into a show and I'm like, that's Cameron Mannheim. I remember her. That's so-and-so. I remember them. Oh, right. This person, this creator, this producer, this one and (laughs) now with imdb and wikipedia and ep guides and and all of this able to go back and binge because of netflix and 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 as i said for canadian's crave you know you're able to go back and go this universe is just there's just spider webs between all of these people
2: he's got a dozen other programs now to where it's like you i I love how Here, Hulu basically has most of his shows in the vault, so they're going to continually be rediscovered by people eventually. And, I mean, it's inevitable. But for whatever reason, it's just kind of taken a while because he just wasn't as high up as other producers or, like, say, maybe Joel Silver or Jerry Bruckheimer, who, you know, just kind of had more quantity uh, versus quality. And it was just interesting, too, how, like you say, there's also just kind of something for everyone in his work. So it's just like, okay, well, if you don't like this, yeah. you'll probably like that. And it, at least you know that he's going to, again, just surprise you. Like, again, I haven't seen Goliath yet, but I've heard just wonderful things. I heard it.
3: Same. I've heard and, a lot about Goliath.
2: And I, that. I heard people kept watching it, even when they were frustrated with season two and free. And it lasted five years on prime and was one of their top rated original programs, but uh, I, I definitely will be checking out uh, his upcoming Lincoln Lawyer show. And that says a lot because like that, that one was in development hell for quite a while. And, you know, Michael Connelly was getting involved with adapting his works into TV shows along with Bosch. And then he decided, okay, screw it. I'm not going to make it be in the same universe like my books, but, you know, basically it got delayed by COVID and then they- they did some recasting or some shit like that and then uh cbs decided to not honor their deal and not pick it up and then a and e had to spend equal amount of time both suing them for breach of contract and then getting it picked up for netflix to air so it is like man that's
3: lawyer and did they not at some point it could have seemed to me they had like a half hour show or something um maybe i'm wrong it was an hour-long show and it lasted for like 10 episodes or something, and then it disappeared. Um, maybe I'm thinking of something different. Maybe there's that was this a firm,
2: one he did called or something. I think that's it, was called Snoops. It had Gina Gershon and yeah. uh, a lot of these other people. And fun fact uh, Gershon reprised that role in a later uh, episode of The Practice. So I was like, that's kind of wild. So that's connecting his whole Boston universe. So
3: connecting the universe, exactly. <laughs> connecting the universe. And so, yeah, and, and now with, uh, as you say, you can you can go and do these development deals, and I think it helps these people to grow because David Kelly, uh, I don't think, will ever stagnate, um, and he's still got a lot in in what he can do and what he can I've draw.
2: Never, I've never heard anything about him yelling at people, making yeah. them feel you know unworthy, Uncannable. or
3: he's not canceled.
2: Uh, you know, and uh, And because he wrote so much of his episodes of all his shows, like doing some serious writing and heavy involvement in the style and casting, you know, he really does deserve the credit on like other people who it's like, you know, okay, Jerry Bruckheimer, you just put your name on it. You know, (laughs) well, that's the other thing. You you weren't on set. you know.
3: (laughs) I see, I'm trying to think of the names that I see, right. I see Dick Wolf a lot. I see Jerry Bruckheimer a lot. Um, Oh my
2: god! I'm to think Obviously, Botchko got to that point after Bo- a while where he <laughs> Bochco, was just hiring yeah. writers. But uh, I, I, I do recall Kelly said he he spoke very highly of him when he passed away from leukemia. Botchko. he was just like, this dude was an absolute mentor, and literally, I owe my whole career to him. I was like, okay, interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, very- you know, see
2: other people who get. I don't even when they don't mean to be. Anal they still come off as a little prickly because basically they, there's just creative differences and people like to misquote without asking them, Are you sure you want me to print this? But yeah, I've never heard anyone say, You know, hey, you know, he was too impatient. And even when he wasn't knowledgeable about how long special effects took to air, I know on Alley McBill's fa- famous uh, baby sequence you know, that was CGI and everything that made some headlines. Uh, uh, he was still, you know, you never heard anything about him coming to set and shutting stuff down and saying, Hey guys, what, what this isn't what I ordered. And yeah. uh, it seems like he would mainly just be on set. Just his version of supervising was, you know, leaving everyone alone and just saying, Hey, you know, just do your thing. You know, don't, don't look at me. I'm just here to, Make sure you got what you need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I will say, unlike most shows, uh, I never get a sense that, like, any show that he made, like, didn't really know what it wanted to be. It, it it's just so. He's often just so wacky and just. Yeah, want to go along for the ride. Unlike other shows where you're like, "Hmm, that's kind of cute," but I don't think it'll last. You know, it's probably gonna get canceled. So I think he, like you say, he he had some fortunate luck, but he also he made use of every minute, just like he would. And I think he, coming from an actual you know office lifestyle, and even I saw he was part of a comedy troupe where he made poetry that was mocking the constitution and everything. I think he, he just already had that satirical mind and just again, just business profession already built into him. So he was already kind of ahead of the curve and he just had to find out how to yeah. just kind of make it blend. <laughs> make it blend for
3: TV. And when you've got that in you and it works for you and you're confident enough that it'll work for somebody else, then you don't have to hold back when you put it on paper.
2: Oh, you know, totally. Even when you, yeah. I usually you know, get annoyed I, when a filmmaker recasts their actors and uses them too much. But often when he would recast his same actors, he would give them a completely different role. So it didn't yeah. feel like a repeat. You know?
3: Yeah. And that's tiresome too sometimes when you watch a show and it's just like, oh, look. And they're back. And oh, surprise. They're doing this again. Mm-hmm. Again. Again. They're playing you know. a
2: jerk. Again. <laughs>
3: again. Another jerk. Again. And uh, you know these these types, right? And I mean that works in I think in, in in sitcoms and stuff. But it is refreshing to see people do different roles. And I think, like I say, David Kelly, um, you know, provided that 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 baseline um, provided for some of the stuff that, you know, as you say, you know, like crazy with Alan Beale and Dancing Babies and. And, you know, these arrows that would come and shoot her the like elevator
2: hard. shaft death in, like, season four of L.A.
3: <laughs> exactly. And weird stuff. Like, I remember, um, you know, Five-ish Schwinkel from, uh, from uh, Picket Fences. you know. And oh, you I go. can't tell you any specific episode, but I do remember that. And I do remember some of these big, passionate arguments in court from that character. Um, and I just remember kind of sitting there. And it wasn't the kind of TV show where you'd sit and flip through a magazine while it was on. It was not background noise. It was appointment television. You know, you'd put down your, your crossword puzzle. You wouldn't talk to your mom at the same time as the TV show was on because you could sort of get what was going on in the background, right? Um, I don't think that I would have been doing much homework to David Kelly shows.
2: Um, oh it would have been impossible I I even tried that with legal back when I was a teen and I was like yeah there's no way I'm getting anything done if I'm in the same room as this
3: this, The dialogue is witty you know um the characters are are you know if you were to meet them in one situation and then find out what job they did they'd be like you're a lawyer oh my god but then you'd see them in the courtroom and you'd be like you're brilliant so it's kind of like kind of like Denny Crane you know with his, his yeah. ego and it's like I'm Denny Crane I'm Denny Crane I'm Denny Crane don't and I remember
2: he, he talked just he's about he's dementia me. Aladdin he's a sexist and he's a bigot <laughs> but you want to know it kind of yeah. work it it's in on the joke and you want to just see what other nutty predicament these just bizarre and yet interesting yet just totally politically incorrect characters are going to do next. <laughs> yeah.
3: And this is the other thing, right? Like what was politically incorrect that we laughed at, that now you might not get away with. Right. And so I'm thinking again, of you know, how Bill Shatner, James Fader, they pulled off that friendship. If they'd have hated each other in real life, you never would have known it. Um, they just.
2: They, it helped they- that he would, uh, his, I know, I forget her name. One of the female writers on legal often talked about is like, she would, find a way to mention some, you know, politics without getting preachy, and then find a way to insert the dark comedy and have it actually kind of just better illustrate the characters to where you wanted to find out more about them. And I think that's just it. It it just worked better versus other shows, where, which, like you say, people would just remember all the misbehavior and not any actual, you know, uh contacts underneath what's supposed to be you know what would otherwise be offensive and so i think that's just it. he just had enough of a backbone and i mean even monday mornings uh was interesting because like that was a short-lived tnt show he helped bring to life uh, which had an interesting cast jamie bamber from Battlestar galactica being rames and oh yeah it, it was uh, i remember me and my sister, and even I think my mother, were watching it just casually and we were just like, that's some pretty interesting dialogue. And uh, I wouldn't mind seeing more of this. And that was just another one because it wasn't, I think he had to also just navigate the ever changing way things were marketed. And I think that's just it. When TNT marketed it. Everyone was expecting just another ER. And it's like, well, not exactly. It's just a very, you know, dry humored uh, just guys who work in a hospital and they're like, Oh, like scrubs. I'm like, well, no, not exactly. It's not just,
3: exactly. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And that was what, that was what would happen with, you know, you, you know, when you talk to your friends and they're like, Oh, what are you watching? And you mention a show or you, you bring it up yourself. Well, I started watching the show and people are like, Oh, what's that about? And you're like, oh, well, it's set in a hospital, or it's, uh, it's lawyers. And i
0: like, oh, God, no lawyers. And you're
2: like,
3: no, 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 no. You don't understand. <laughs> These you're not right. super lawyers. You know, give it a try.
2: And Even I, this I like, current show, uh, Nine Perfect Strangers. Yeah. It's not exactly, like, only murders in the building and some of those other wacky Hulu shows, but I can see why it got picked up. It had Samara Weaving, Regina Hall, Bobby Canna Valley, and... Melissa McCarthy, along with Nicole Kidman. And it was just a very hard to pin down. It's kind of making fun of an Agatha Christie type novel, and it's based on an actual book.
3: Yes, that's, that's what I was going to say. The connection with Leanne Moriarty, um, I've read a few of her books, and I can see how many of them can be optioned and made into these, these limited series, as you call them, right? And, um, I noticed that Leanne Moriarty's books—they're all set in Australia. She's an Australian writer, and so that and totally with, makes sense, you know. <laughs> and yet, and yet, so I have to admit, at first with Big Little eyes, I was a little bit put off. It really first. gets
2: under your skin, yeah.
3: Well, no, I was put off because to me, I'm like, okay, it's—I'm—I'm I'm a little more like, okay, the book is Australian, the TV show should be Australian, and it was California, and I was like and they changed this and they changed this and none of these people are Australian like frig <laughs> but you know um, but it worked so i bought over myself in the first episode and i thought to myself like yeah this is going to work and every woman is going to watch this show and they're going to watch the whole And they did two seasons with Big Little Lies. And I didn't know how they were going to do that because they did kind of come to the end of the book. So then the second season was just sort of like added on. And I think in consultation, and because it's David Kelly and Nicole Kidman and and Reese Witherspoon, right? They were able to to really put together um, a second season that worked.
2: It helped that Um, he was also working with actors who just... Again, you know, wanted to do something different with their careers. You know, Laura Dern was wanting to do more TV, and Meryl Streep, when's the last time Meryl Streep did TV? And so, yeah, there you go. I mean,
3: yes, and Meryl Streep on TV. Like, and (laughs) and just exactly. And, uh, you know, you're reminding me of some of that. And then uh, with Nine Perfect Strangers, as you said, these incredible people coming together and the story matched the book. But again, not in Australia, in America. And, (laughs) And a little bit to fit the American way of doing things, um, you know, again, as a Canadian, Canada, America, you know, all these sort of first world countries, you know, with, with British and French backgrounds and Spanish backgrounds um, can all sort of have things that are very, very similar. Uh, but then there are some slight differences that you see with the politics and with the, with the, the, the nationalism or the patriotism. And so when that's done Outside of America, it has to be handled with kid gloves. And so to put it in America, you have to kind of change it and tweak it just a little bit. And so these Australian stories work in America, I think, because of the, the people that are handling them. And in different hands, they might not have. You know, it might have just gone right over people's head or pissed people off. And this just pissed you off. In the way that, as a viewer, it made you invested. It didn't make you mm-hmm. angry at the show. It made you angry at the character or at the person's motivations. And so you needed to see the little bit of the shag and fruit. like I said, maybe I pronounced that word wrong. Um, where you, know, <laughs> you want to see the, the the like you want to see the person get their justice, right? Um, that's very satisfying. Like- you know, no matter where you're from, you just want to see that bad guy go down. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, when it gets more complex, sometimes it's not just a straight line of this person is pure evil and this person is pure nice. You're kind of like, you know, they all have a little bit of karma coming. So, <laughs> and then you feel sorry for them. And, and that I think is the mark of the goods, the good layered story where you haven't got everybody at the same level of sympathy and empathy and compassion, but you've got different different recipes um different um building blocks for each character and so you might want to see this character get a huge comeuppance but you do feel sorry for their husband and you want to see that character get everything that she wants but then you realize she's a little bit evil too um and so this i found with with kelly's characters they were all they were all complex like this for the most part. I mean, there were and some. It's
2: hard to explain out. why you kind of want to check it out. It just doesn't feel like a typical kind of TV. And he's been able to navigate that even regardless of what it's been on a movie channel, a regular TV network. So, I mean. Uh, it's, like
3: it's like that everywhere. It's Because like every-
2: you mentioned The Undoing. That was another one. I, I saw some family members were talking about it. They binge watched it and they're like, you know, that. Made Me left me thinking for a while, and it's like, okay, well, so they did their job, they left you with some entertainment that you know disguises itself as another, you know, award winning drama. But then there's just a few other just layers, just like, yeah, but no one else could have really taken this on. You can understand why he would put his name on this and yeah. develop it. And some
3: of them is, is meant to make you feel uncomfortable, too.
2: He really does handle that, that pretty well, just like the same as where people because, well. yeah. There's other people who, like you say, they do too much of that and you're like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, you
3: don't want it to ever feel preachy because if you feel preached at, you get, you know, especially if you're on the other side, you don't agree with it. Um, you feel like somebody's just, just, you know, telling you off and trying to shame you. And so that that you don't want to watch anymore because who needs to feel that shame, right? People watch TV to be informed and entertained and um, mostly to be entertained and some to be informed. And I found that David Kelly was able to, um, to do a little bit of all of that. He was able to inform you and educate you and also leave you feeling entertained. And so that's, that's a master who can do that. And I mean, he did get better at it um, as time went on but he wasn't awful to start with. He was good. When he started to do that, it felt good and it got better.
2: Yeah, he kind of became the butt of some jokes by some critics by, oh, eventually the show's going to go downhill, but it's like, well, he he was able to survive even just people lampooning his work because I think that's just that his movies and shows were just so nutty already to where it's like, okay, well, you guys look like assholes because you're making fun of the guy doing all the mocking you know yeah and that you're making an ass out of you instead of you know, just yeah enjoying the comedy. So just,
3: just get in there and just enjoy enjoy the comedy learn something from the mistakes and you know I mean this is what I say I was kind of raised on television right I mean I I, I was raised Catholic uh, I'm not Catholic anymore and haven't been for a very long time but, you know where I learned I can't I can't give David Kelly credit for this it was soap operas where I really <laughs> saw I I really saw that lies don't work they do not work because <clears throat> as a kid you know when you're impressionable and you want to make these little fibs and stories up and you're like oh, is it gonna hurt they right? yeah, eventually I'll don't just,
2: add up yeah
3: <laughs> it never worked out for these people never and I mean th- this is again it's not David but it just when you're someone who watches a lot of TV and it helps parent you a little bit. And I was just like, you know what? Yeah. Lying is bad. Never mind the fact that it might hurt somebody down the road, but you're going to just get found out in the end. And then I started to see people in real life, even just simple things like kids lying about their homework or whatever. And it always got found out. So all that did for me was just cement what I'd learned from watching some of these soap operas, you know, that my mom and her friends would watch. And I would just be like, yeah, lesson learned, just be honest or say it's a secret or it's a surprise and I can't tell you all the details yet and you're just going to have to trust me because lying does not work, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I found that uh, that's a big theme in a lot of shows, right? And people wanting to keep secrets and protect themselves. And and David Kelly was kind of a master at some of that, at showing the characters. There's plenty
2: of times when, even when it doesn't involve legal stuff, the characters will be saying something and there's like, I don't believe you. And the character's just like, uh, they leave it ambiguous to the viewer to where you, you get that sense of uneasiness towards like either the person's told the lie too many times to where they don't even know what's true anymore. Or we, the viewers get that uneasiness that we wouldn't realize are like, well, either way, I just don't trust you now. Cause you, you, you just, you know, you've been lying to me this whole entire time that even if it's legit now, it's just, I, I know you're f- fibbing. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah.
2: And and like you say, I mean, there's plenty of times where it's like, Okay maybe probably a hospital or a legal or even a mansion of all these wacky characters in this town probably wouldn't be like this in real life but i believe it just because it's just comes across the way it's presented on screen allows me to just say well what if <laughs> mm-hmm. i agree i agree and it's because um, there's others mm-hmm. where like you say the they get too many different showrunners to where eventually the tone is going to kind of collapse underneath itself. And I think he just was, he played most of his cards pretty well.
3: Yeah. And I think he knew when the stories needed to end too. Um, Because not every story has a 30 year arc. Um, You know, somebody else who knows how to do that. I can't think of their name right now. Ken Olin I think is part of it um, is, uh, is this is us. You know, they said it was, Six-season story, and I can see that. And so they're wrapping it up this year. And I like um, writers, producers, directors who sort of know what the story is that they want to tell, and have you know a five to ten-year plan for their characters, um, and then hopefully they get a chance to reach that that penultimate event, and then be able to say the story is done, and not have you as a viewer get sick of the characters. And I never got sick of David Kelly's shows.
2: Yeah, I never. really didn't either. Even with characters who aren't the most likable, they were able to kind of portray them in a way to where it's like, they're kind of self-aware that they're arrogant. He, Especially when he gets to legal, there are some hysterical uh, breaking the fourth wall. And Chicago Hub especially has a lot of just very wacky dream sequences that really mm-hmm. actually echo their uneasiness in their world. It's like, okay, that's not just them being random. It's like, Here's a nightmare that doesn't really have anything to do with anything. So if anything, I think he's just one of many people is like, they just watched a lot of TV. And by the time St. Elsewhere came along, they were getting the idea of is like, okay, let's just, let's not be typical. Let's be typical to where, you know, we get picked up and then, you know,
3: <laughs> Yeah.
2: And just do little other to- subtleties. <laughs> And you
3: still have to appeal to mainstream audiences unless you have the clout, which I think David Kelly does now. um, It has for a while to do something that's off the wall. That's only going to appeal to certain
2: people. And this might very well be his busiest last few years. I I mean, Mm -hmm. developing six things back to back. I, I mean, and obviously the love for all his shows just comes across. I've heard, various countries have tried to adapt, I think, L.A. Law and Alley, and then um, he already has, like, a Disney basketball uh, drama, so it's like he's accessible to just about every market, too, so (laughs) he's got Mm -hmm. something for everyone.
3: Which is is the mark of something that is really, really palatable,
2: right? You see other people that do that, and you're like, yeah, you're just, you're too rude to be kid-friendly, or your heart's not really in it to do this very serious role.
3: (laughs) Or you're just trying to exploit this franchise to see how much money you can make off of it. Mm -hmm. Some franchises feel like that too. It's just like, Oh, look, let's make a spinoff as much as
2: we love you guys. It's just not working. So yeah, (laughs) it's
3: not working or it's too much of the same, right? It's too much of the Mm -hmm. same. So, you know, like I said, in the, in the, in the era when I was watching TV the most, um, I'm watching a lot now and I'm going back. And thankfully, because of the technology, I'm able to go back and rewatch some of those shows back when I was making the decision about the VCR. And I didn't always pick right. You know, sometimes you kind of, you know, you'd you read in, you know, TV Guide and it would be like, well, there's, these are the four medical dramas coming out this year, you know. And I never chose Grey's Anatomy, I chose Chicago Hope. They all kind of started around the same time. I chose Chicago Hope and I chose ER. I didn't stay with ER till the end. Maybe I should have. Um, Chicago Hope was shorter, so I did watch all well,
2: of Oh, that. that's a good example of a show that most people like, but did kind of go on way too long to where, and I think that's a good example of where network TV versus cable, just there's just too much at that point. We were getting oversaturated before we did get oversaturated. Kind of, you know?
3: Yeah. I did, and then I hear about you know certain storylines and certain episodes, and I just be like, and then the Law. lot I
2: tuned out at that moment versus this. Uh, it's funny you bring up Law and Order uh, I, uh, already. Cameron Rant- Mannheim's like a lieutenant on there now, and then the other two, Dylan McDermott, was, is now playing a crime boss, and uh, Steve Harris popped up as a lawyer. So I was like, oh, awesome! So they're pretty much getting all the guys we grew up loving. On the practice, and they're moving them more to law and order, but they're playing totally different kinds of characters. And I don't think they would have had those edgy kind of chances had they not been on the practice. Yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I don't know. This has just been been really good talking about this.
2: Oh, likewise. Because I had other people who were like, I know him. I know I've seen some by him, but I don't know where I would begin. And it's just like, and much like other filmmakers we, we've been meaning to tackle on here, it's like, okay, well, what would we bring new to the narrative and who knows we may very well be like on the few podcasts who've actually sat down and talked about someone for an hour
3: <laughs> yeah yeah no it's um, it's really good and so
2: mr I kelly keep doing what you're doing
3: <laughs> yeah absolutely and uh you know you you uh, you inspired me to kind of go in and and put some more thought into it and, and do
2: a little research and oh thank you
3: yeah. you know and now uh, and now uh, now my husband is going to be be like listening to me going, where can I find
2: (laughs) this podcast is on Anchor and Spotify and
4: I will send you a link, but (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm. so
3: it's uh it's very interesting. It's very interesting. No, I was very excited to talk to you this morning. Um because again I love to do new things. I love to branch out and I like Well
2: if anything that's what Kelly is. He wants you to branch out and (laughs) tackle new subject matter
3: <laughs> and new mediums too you know i when this covid pandemic started and everything for me switched online i used to tutor and kids would come to my house right that was what i did and um <laughs> you know so i had 30 kids tro- trooping in and out of my my small little uh, my small little house here and uh, uh in and out in and out in and out and then everything went online and I told you, I first started working with computers when I was like 28 years old, right? And yeah. even not super great at it. I got my first smartphone phone. I was like 37, 38 years old. Hardly used it. I was 35, I think, when Facebook came out or 34. When- <laughs> I mean, please, right? I just We didn't have that. And I am not intuitive when it comes to all of these things. I don't know how to use Google Suite, like all of that. I now know how to use Zoom. I know about cameras, I know about um, uh, video calls and video conferencing and video chat, I'm tutoring online, I'm watching shows, I'm streaming, I'm thinking that's pretty good from someone who literally 30 years ago, 40 years ago, didn't even have a remote for a television. Like there's been a <laughs> lot, of them, right? I was the remote. Well, I mean, my parents didn't watch much TV, but my brother treated me as the remote, Right. You had to get up and you actually had to flip the dial on your tv so um, now you know we've got we've got all the social media we've got the, the 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 instagrams and the tumblers and the you know i don't even know which ones are super popular um,
2: but and no uh, one will even a decade later you know there's just so much yeah, to and consume.
3: the only one that's lasted the longest um i find are facebook and twitter and i'm on them um, and, uh, you know, I was, I was really pleased to, to see your comment. Um, and it kind of started all of this where I, I saw you comment about um, the designated survivor, Madam Secretary, and I found your podcast. And, uh, you know, I can't wait for to- you to
2: hear it next week. We, we tried to do our best with that one, because it was a matter of, you know, two totally different shows. One's kind of a action drama mystery with a lot of cool speeches written by Calpin who actually worked for Barack Obama. And then you know, as Secretary, it's kind of more, you know, there's a more little suspension of disbelief in that, you know, everyone's getting up early in the morning, but it goes for a more kind of uh, very intriguing uh, uh, overview on the world mixed in with some CIA mystery. But for the most part, it's just a family drama set in the White House, you know, so it's, yeah, but, but they both have the same agenda in that, you know, uh, one of them serves an independent president. The other is a independent president who, you know, acquired this position through a terrible nine eleven style attack. And so then, but both have the same deal in that, you know, they took a lot of West Wing and Criminal Minds uh, crew members and just had them just work together to, I mean, you even mentioned ER. I know one of those shows had some ER guys come on board and basically they had to craft, you know, How do you think people like this would react in this scenario? You know, one of them is having to become the first female president eventually, and the other just has to find out how does he stand out when he's in an ever-changing, very challenging political landscape that's getting all the more ugly as time wears on.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, I heard. I heard it. I think that was the one you released last week. I got to listen oh, okay, to that.
2: Okay, perfect. I'm, yeah. No, that's
0: what I'm
3: saying I got to. I got to hear it, and uh, and and I liked your your style a little bit. Like I disagreed with some of the things that you guys said, but I liked it. And it wasn't like <laughs> I, I wasn't angry. It was more just like now I really want to talk to this guy. Like I say, that's a little <laughs> bit <of> David <laughs> Kelly too, right? It wasn't like oh forget it. It was like this is interesting. And you know what? If I hadn't heard of it. I wouldn't have even known it was there. And so now you guys are on my radar, right? We, we
2: try to do shows that haven't even really been talked about much. And there's many, I regret is like, yeah, I, if I talked about it now, I would have been totally different. Cause you know, I had more time to rewatch it or, you know, now in retrospect, yeah, maybe this character is actually representing this, you know, ideal versus, you know, how they come across on an initial perspective. So yeah, it, it's, it's very challenging. I mean, we've done some of the FBI and when Chicago shows and those are other ones that they're going to be on the air for years. So you might even want to mm-hmm. do just a recap special when it ends saying, <laughs> how did you feel yeah. it, the first five years versus the latter five years? And we, we've done the Star Trek ones too, but we've done it where we like grouped them together. Like here's these two prequel shows, here's these two spinoff shows of the main show and uh, how have they've what was your impression of it growing up watching them versus now where they're all on Netflix and Paramount plus?
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so what's good about some of these platforms when you can get the shows is you can go back with a different lens. Like as you grow up, even if it was something that, not that your parents watched, but even that something that you watched, but you were a teenager or a 20 year old and then coming back 20 and 30 years later and watching it with, different eyes and it's like you know yeah that kid wasn't you know that kid was actually kind of a brat maybe I was kind of a brat at that age too.
2: (laughs) I was hard on him
3: (laughs) changing to identify with the parents like for example you know a show like family ties when family ties was on I was between Jennifer and Mallory's age I was almost Mallory's age um, and so Mallory was just a little bit older and turned 16 just before me and all of these little
0: things. <laughs>
3: like, you know, and, and then I thought like, how cool she's dating this guy and how, and some of the storylines were quite Prussian, you know, and quite, uh, quite poignant. And, uh, and, and then I watched Jennifer become a teenager and, and all this sort of stuff. Um, and then uh, like Bill Cosby, like, I don't think any of us really saw that maybe some did closer to the industry, but you know, we learned a lot and, and I I was heartbroken when that happened.
2: It's like really Yeah. We'd Is all grown shit? up with this in some capacity and we we're like, really? Yeah.
3: I, I, I loved this show. And then it's just as for us trying to, to to reconcile something that was, you know, a great TV show with what was going on behind the scenes. And so um And you just,
2: we would hear it on occasion, but we figured, okay, you know, if it's more than just five people and it's not just makeup or directors being very picky on what they want then it's very clear you know that the person's late to set or you know very hard to get along with and when it comes down to oh they dropped someone or they you know made just beyond socially unacceptable behavior and they're hiding behind the entertainment will and fame to you know shadow that preclusion it it does get very ugly because like you say you want to think okay you know it's just people being creative or having, you know, an off color exchange of words. But yeah, when it comes down to, Hey, you've been doing all this very sneaky stuff, that's multiple crimes. Then yeah, it's, it can be very deadly. And I mean, it's kind of like with all in the family. I mean, that was the same kind of thing. It was like Boston legal. It was in on the joke, but sometimes the jokes weren't always funny to the right certain people and You know, the actor did a good job despite hating the material because it was just, you know, it's very offensive. So it is an interesting challenge when you want to see people bring something to life and sometimes they just don't know what they've signed up for versus they're doing a job, but something's just coming uh, out the way it should. And it's going to get even more challenging post-COVID because everything's got to be shot quick and, you know, no time for
3: reshoots reshoots and stuff and I think what we might see coming um, are shows about you know uh people learning that um that people that they've had in their lives for a long time really have some differences uh of opinion that you know can the friendship or the 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 allyship or the or the the connections survive that and do you want it to You know, um, people that are, you know, who they support politically. That didn't used to have to drive friendships apart. Now it almost speaks to the core values of who you are. I think especially in America, it's coming to Canada. Um, You know, how people dealt with the pandemic. Um, Not so much these horror stories about what it's like to live through one, but more how did you handle it? You know, when people brought up vaccines and masking and and are you a greater good person or are you an individual and where do you fit on that scale? Um, you know, um, great question, (laughs) you know, looking, looking at, uh, at, um, you know, the situation that's happening right now with Ukraine, you know? Um, to me, that sounds like a... An, an, an that's amazing. basically
2: a Madam Secretary episode. <laughs>
3: yeah. No, but I mean, yeah, that guy, like he was... That he would, was the wonderful.
2: difference is that would have been solved after one or two episodes. And here, you know, we got something that just looks like endless gloom, you know?
3: Yeah, exactly. And uh, and uh, we actually discussed that a little bit on the Madam Secretary boards. You know, a lot of people were, um, were saying you know, oh, I need Elizabeth right now. And other people are much more serious about it. And they're saying, you know, like, this isn't a one hour show, guys, these are people's lives. But I think what, what I, I commented, and something that I said was along the lines of, I think what a lot of people are missing is that for some people, when they say, I want Elizabeth McCord right now, um, what they're saying is, is they would like, you know, more aspirational leaders, they would like to have you know, presidents and prime ministers and, and, and world leaders who who can go in and can get the job done without humiliation and without...
2: I mean, um, that's how we were with the other earlier shows. Like at 24, we wanted to see what could possibly happen when people realize that everything they've been taught to do, all the rules they abide by, literally just don't apply when there's just inevitable just uh, you know, attacks or other conspiracies around the corner, and you know, with West Wing, you had it where basically all these you know people are having to make both make their careers and realize that they're going to be doing some very you know hard to do campaigning as well as getting bills passed that are very heated and and so yeah, it, I I think all our shows you know the best ones build on the conversations that the other one doesn't want to talk about and they become two sides of the same coin.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And anybody that's got a pulse in that arena, um, we've been talking about David Kelly, but uh, you know, there are a lot of creators and writers out there. Not all, they don't all have that skill. They're no, very, not all. <laughs> and, and, and they can put together a decent show that's got a few years in it of you know getting people to laugh getting people to to come together and have you know a family uh, a family unity event right and, and and that's good you need that you need that um, but you do need those 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 avant-garde sort of folks who who are willing to poke the bear and know that they can't just appeal to one type of audience they can't just be for Democrats they can't just be for you know people who like you know traditional, you know, the police are the gods and everybody's white, um, you know, um, I th- <laughs> yeah. I think that that, well, I think that that's something that, uh, that they're starting to realize over on blue bloods. Right. I mean, I, I like blue bloods. I've been watching blue bloods for a while. Um, but even for me and the evolution of watching that show at first, it was like, okay, it's this family and they're all involved and, and, and it's Tom Selleck and the whole family's in the police. And I'm like, well, I've heard of cop dynasties before, so why not? But then, you know, with all of this stuff, defund the police, and what that really means, um, because we have that up here in Canada too, and it's not about not wanting protection from crime. I I think the message is lost there. Um, It's about making sure that people don't go into situations guns blazing 24-7.
2: Well, this is it. It's a civil rights act. And unfortunately, you know, it's kind of the same difference between, you'll hear a lot of people talk about an event where people are, again, protesting. And sometimes the, you know, the very hackney reporters will mention it as a riot. It's like, well, well, hold hold on now. Did it become a riot? Or was it just a protest? you know, where yeah. someone was arrested. There's a difference. So I think that's is it. It, it. We're having to call out people on what does the language actually mean. And it's just very frustrating it, because some people, they don't know what that means. They're just, they're, they're idiots. And like you say, defunding, you know, it just meant, okay, we're going to have to defund the police unions there. But everyone just stretched out the word defund where they're like, oh, so you just want to take away cops. Oh, well, what will we do about crime? And it just kind of play we're playing into so many different things we got the fear mongers we got the you know uh minorities versus whites culture wars so it's it was already gonna get ugly and uglier by the minute so yeah it's just it's not easy to talk about certain things i don't think we'll be able to talk about it for even another 20 years it's going to keep getting worse so it's,
3: it's, and, and, and a lot of the, you know, and somebody who can, who can, who can delve into these issues. I mean, um, I think Barbara Hall can, um, David Kelly definitely can. Uh,
2: she, she <laughs> came from the Chicago Hope School. So there you go.
3: There you go. Yeah. Oh, Barbara Hall. Yeah. I mean, that's another two hour conversation. in itself.
2: <laughs> She's awesome. Yeah.
3: Awesome. Um, so many of these people. And, and my situation is that um, I'm Canadian with a lot of American relatives and friends. Um, Same. I'm, Christian in politics. I'm, I present white, but I'm 50% black. And, you know, in Canada, it's a little easier than it was in America to have a a mixed race family. Um, But, uh, but uh, my dad is from the Caribbean, was from the Caribbean. He passed away four years ago. Um, So many situations where if it was my father and I together, um, because I'm very like I almost thought I was albino growing up right um, I'm not but I'm very, very pale and um, and um, you know having my dad be who he was people would see the two of us together and they would be like you know almost accusing my dad like where did you get this girl? It never occurred oh, to me wow. that it never occurred to people that he could actually be my biological dad right And so growing up with that experience, um you know was was different. My brother looks more like my dad, not um not fully a person of color but a person with some more color in him than I have um and then my mom is a brunette um with pale skin she's from canada um from uh from um the eastern coast and so um you know to grow up with an intergenerational uh family and an, and a mixed family um and you know, not have the same the same talks that people had in the States. That wasn't needed here. Um, but at the same point, seeing the, the microaggressions and people that are, you know, it's almost worse when they're nice. You know, I always had people touching my hair going, you know, your hair is is, is you know, three or four different colors. And I would be like, well, yes, because I have this in me. And, you know, oh, really, let's braid your hair. And this kind of stuff would happen to me in school. And it it was a different time, right? And then the things that I laughed at, because I realized, you know, we're not talking about that, we're talking about David Kelly. Um, But, uh, you know, I think that there are writers and producers and creators out there that I think with, he's doing a lot of stuff right now, but he could also be one of these people that with the right programming can bring people together um, a little bit okay. more by showing by showing that there are people there are a few people that I would trust to to create and to and to develop series that that will talk about what we find just absolutely painful now um, and um, I think him more it's so true about-
2: it's a rare skill because there's other people who. They know what they want to say, but they don't know how to make it entertaining, let alone relevant, or like you say, not preachy.
3: Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, I'm just, it doesn't matter
2: what side of the argument you're on. If you're just getting very annoyed by, okay, well, no shit, Sherlock, you know, what what do we do?
3: (laughs) Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, people that come together, like um, I'm thinking, you know, Ava DuVernay and here, this is dream, dream teams in my head you know, like an Ava DuVernay or a Tyler Perry working with a David Kelly Um, or, you know, and we can't forget women's issues either. Like he's working with Nicole Kidman. He's working with Reese Witherspoon. He's getting, he's getting that female perspective, you know, Um, you know, Barbara Hall work, you know, work with him, got her, her chops, as you say, started back way back then with with the Chicago Hope and all that sort of stuff Mm
0: -hmm. and what
3: she's gone on to do um, and bringing people together, you know, men and women and pe- people of color and minority groups. And I think we need more representation of Muslims. Um, there's very little of that on TV. I'm watching a Canadian show um, called Transplant, and it's a doctor show. Um, and it's a, uh,
0: yeah.
3: it's a really good one because we're learning more about that culture. And we need more trans characters and non-binary characters on TV um, played by people who are trans and non-binary, because there are trans and non-binary actors, you know, um, where we're, we need to, to put that out there and have the show not just be about that, but in community with showing these people working together with, you know, the old stock thinking, you know, the old white stock Canadians, the old white stock Americans, um, and, yep. and show that coming together. And I think that, that, um, the right people with the right clout who haven't written these flash in the pan shows that are on for one season and disappear, um, you know, could be done. And I think David Kelly is one of those people that, that could do it, that could do it. I was, that was something that I thought about a lot this past week. I thought, you know, with the different things that he's done um, he could he could be someone who's who's part of the solution. Um, I'm sure
2: he even gets up in the mirror. Like, I, I love how one of these series he is going to actually, people often talked about, you know, other than that one movie, Jillian, you know, why don't you work with your talented actress wife? And he's actually written a part for her. And I think this is it. He likes to challenge himself, but he likes to do it in a way to where it's just like, everybody wins. It's not about him, you know? He's just the guy... Yeah who not only sells it but also gets everyone excited is like oh trust me you you've never seen a show like this before even if you feel like you have <laughs> yeah
3: yeah absolutely and everything has a slightly different feel like even the two leanne moriarty things that he's done you know you can see a connection but you would not unless you've read the books i don't think sit there and go those are both leanne moriarty books i can only because five years ago, I picked up these books. I picked up, was it Big Little Lies? And then um, it was promoting Nine Perfect Strangers. And I finished Big Little Lies. And I thought, I enjoyed that story. you know. So mm-hmm. go on, read the next one. So I think I read about three or four of her books. Now, I can't think of the names of all of them. Um, and then I saw they were coming out as TV shows. And I thought, well, how do you? And then I thought, well, you never know. And then this new thing called Limited Series. And that's the other thing. I mean, people have gone from writing episodic television where you had to have 26 episodes, you know, of an hour. Well, I guess they're 45 minutes with commercials, but
0: <laughs>
3: every year. So for, what is that? 40, 43 minutes, 43 minutes of, 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 programming. And now with the, the shows that are, that are built for binging, the ones that are on all these services, they're eight to 10 episodes. Sometimes they're even six to 10 episodes But there's 60 to 75 minutes with no commercials. So it's all product placement. So Mm -hmm. it's a a different formula when you write that way. And um, I like to see how different writers, producers can handle that. Some of them can, and some of them are stuck, right? So
2: Yeah, some of them are stuck in a genre that... They don't even really like anymore. You know, so yeah. So get that.
3: Too. Yeah. So how do they how do they get out of that, right? Um I really like what um what Revelations Entertainment is doing. And that's uh Lori McCreary and Morgan Freeman. Um and the two of them. Yes. I mean yes part of Martin um of uh, of uh, madam secretary they were madam secretary um but um they've done so many things before and after and I mean laurie McCreary's story is just just incredible. You know, one of the, the pioneers in, in going from someone with a degree in computer science. You wouldn't think that someone like that would be able to, to to write and produce television, but yet she did, and she has. And all of these different shows and programs that she does with Morgan Freeman. And I mean, Morgan Freeman, what do you say about Morgan Freeman other than that this is, this is.
2: <laughs> he believes you know? in it. I mean,
3: so I he's, just, he's just an amazing, prolific, dynamic. I mean, if he touches it, I think there have maybe been one or two that maybe were not, you know, massive successes, but just an amazing meteoric rise um, from, you know, being in the electric company in the 70s, you know, reading these stories and singing funky songs to now, you know, doing all of this, this incredible stuff with the, um, I forget the name of the show, but where they go and they, you know, like discovering God or something and then like Atlantis looking for Atlantis and (laughs) the the greatest escapes in prison and stuff like that. It's just, he makes, he makes the the documentary interesting, you know? And so um, I realize that's a little off topic too, but, uh, but just, I I just, the, 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 the way that television has changed and the people that are involved and it's got nothing to do with age, because if it was just to do with age, someone like Morgan Freeman would be out to pasture Because the guy is what now, like
0: 80? 80,
3: you know? So there are people that are more visionary that grew up through all of the crap that was going around and how women and how people of color were treated and the racism and the civil rights era and all of that, and yet are still more awake today than some people that were born in the year 2000 and are supposedly juggernauts now at 22, you know, um, or born in the eighties and nineties, even, and they're in their forties and they just, their vision is very, very limited. Um, And so you can tell that when you you get a piece of entertainment, when you get a movie or you get a show Um, and, uh, and it's just, it's, it's good to get people that are, they're just so multi-layered, that every you know every bite of the chef's surprise is is a different flavor explosion in your mouth. You know, it's um it's um a program that you know you're not really sure is this a comedy is this a suspense is this a thriller and some people like their shows to be very tight and they like their, you know, and some shows are needed to do that. But I like the ones where there's a like. lot of a lot of multi-layered story where you know, you're laughing and then you're crying and you're upset all in the same episode. And that I think is, 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 you know, where, where David Kelly has really left a mark. And um, you know, I hope that there are people that are studying his work um, and, and learning how to make, you know, even, even better television um, and better movies now based on what they've learned from someone like Kelly.
2: That's the best way to put it. I would hope so, you know? Yeah. Yeah. uh, Because it's so true when, I mean, even when you're in like a screenwriting class, you know, everyone's so busy imitating, they forget, no, 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 actually study, you know, you wouldn't cheat off someone on the test. So same thing here, you know, just see what they're doing, actually learn what they learned.
3: And then bring what you have to the table. Don't just be a copycat, you know, but be a visionary. Do something, do something a little bit different. And so uh, that's, uh, I don't know. I don't know that I have anything else to say other than, than that, but uh, that's uh, it was um, great
2: to have you join on here.
3: Yeah, it was really good to talk to you. Really good to talk to you. Thank you so much for inviting me and giving me this opportunity. I appreciate it.
2: Uh, likewise. You, you, you killed the jet. You, you aced it. <laughs>
3: Well, oh, thank you. I was, I was quite nervous. I was like, oh, my, he's going to talk to me for 10 minutes and then he's going to be like, yeah, total imposter.
2: Imposter?
3: I'm not better than imposter, the average Joe. <laughs> right? but, uh, but no, I, I've put a lot, of, you know, they say what you put 10,000 hours into, right? And we, thought, we always grew up thinking in terms of like what I'm going to study in university. And I, I think what I've learned is that it's what you did along the way as, as a kid and as a person. And yeah, I put a lot of time and thought into, into TV. You know, I'd be home sick and, 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 and have that for company. And so I just, I've watched how certain actors and actresses. And and as I said, as I learned about the credits and whatnot, to just see who had vision and who you could trust with certain topics to do them justice and to show you maybe what you're not seeing in your little community because your little community might be very traditional and conservative, or it might be, you know, a small town country, small town country area, or you might be in a big metropolitan, you know, a venue, but feel like you don't connect with people in your city. Um, and you're being you know, treated a certain way and, you know, minimum wage worker or, 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 or wealthy, you know, I think we've discovered that despite all of that, uh, people do feel a lot of the same emotions and have the same psychological needs and the same physical needs, um, you know, sex and love and, and uh, you know, nourishment for the body and the brain. And um, some of these, these entertainment people, they get it right. And they, they provide a salve and they provide a, a platform um, for people to, to grow and to challenge themselves. Um, and then there are um, people that just are just looking to make a buck. And I think now we're a lot more authentic in what we're looking for. And the people that are just trying to make a buck might make a buck, but they're probably not coming back for round two and people no. stay <laughs> continue to come back and even like take a break. Like I think David Kelly took a break for a little while there and then, and then has come back with these, these newer, these newer productions. And, uh, and I'm enjoying them, you know, and there's a couple that I've missed. Like, I missed Goliath, and I missed out on the undoing. But uh, just in reminding myself that that was out there, like, I'll move the undoing, you know, a little further up my list of stuff to watch or stuff to find out more about.
2: Totally. Uh, And it seems like, like you mentioned when we first started off, it's like, everyone could benefit from learning who writes what instead of just, hey, there's this guy, but I only know who they are because they were on one sitcom or they used to do a lot of movies now they're doing tv you know so hopefully many will just be you know remembering certain names or creators who got like three different shows to their name
3: yeah yeah you know and as i say learning the connections and how those i call them the spider webs there's probably a a better term for it but uh I, i i see i see these different connections now and the internet you know social media can be can be bad for a lot of stuff, a lot of bullying, a lot of just screaming into the ether about frustration. But if you, you use it for good, um, and you are able to research it, I mean, from someone who had to go to the library, every time I wanted to learn something and read a book that was 20 years old, versus being able to, to look up content or to find a connection or a quote now, with this little supercomputer that lives in my pocket to be able to sit here right now and have my laptop open for the tutoring that I'm about to do, to <laughs> have my iPad on so that I can do this podcast thing with you um, and to have a cell phone that um, I'm able to, to do research on. It's, it's just, it's incredible. And if we use these tools for the right reasons, then we can definitely, definitely um, have this new method of communication um, that's just that's just going to allow everybody to to get perspective on everybody else, and I think that's important.
2: Okay, well, perfectly said.
3: <laughs> Thanks. I really enjoyed talking to you today. You have a lot of a lot of good things to say, and I really really like this podcast. Uh, you
2: oh. you wasted even more, my friend, because basically you just summed up how you get to the many stages of life and some people can reflect what happens in your world and actually may, you know, reinforce your own philosophy and open up your mind. Thank you, Mr. Kelly, for doing this. We talked about you for two hours.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. We did. Holy crap. It was two hours, yeah. but uh, no, somewhere down the road, if you ever want to talk to me again, I would love to, I'm going to be looking into your show now. And uh, I didn't know you were there and now I know you are. Um, and so I'll be in. You know it. In Yeah. And uh, you know, um, there That's are some people that I know a little more about, and and would love to talk. As you can tell, I like to talk. <laughs> so, don't we all? <laughs> don't we all. Well, not everybody. Some people are very introverted, um, and when they're yeah. asked <laughs> to do an interview or something, they're like, "No, I could never do that." And I'm like, "Well, worst happens is I look like an idiot for a little while. I, I can I can learn from that." I can learn from looking like an idiot for a little while. You got to, you got to go, you got to give, you got to grow, you know? So thank you you very much for, for having me on today. I really learned a lot from talking to you too.
2: you were too kind and too organized, my friend.
3: (laughs) Oh, well, you have a great day.
2: Uh, Okay. Godspeed to you. We'll return after these messages. Hey.
1: So take a dose of...
0: They must be destroyed on sight!
2: As needed, and let the hosts... Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails you.
5: Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin cough, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, rooster's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. Mm -hmm. And then we just watch it, and we talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Tangents galore Yes So believe me We may be a movie podcast But it's not always about movies We might talk about video games mm-hmm. Music Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. the big one, music uh, Sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there Yes Sometimes we may just Oh, we know we like to do We like to tell stories, PJ Ah, yes I am the master storyteller <laughs> Yes Of the podcast realm <laughs> Undefeated. (laughs) So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, the Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. (sighs) We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say, (laughs) "Ah." Yeah, all that good, fun stuff. Well, <laughs> f- you. Yeah. No, don't, don't run the listeners away, PJ. Nah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll go end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace.
4: at gohpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app and remember say hello to your little friend for me
3: If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, and what do you get?
0: Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Break down, break down, break down, break down.
1: Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, uh, uh, yep. uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this <laughs> No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little popping up. Little history, doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brains warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How be did be a rough you one. watch this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Sia.
5: It's it's, it's time, let's do check do our Q, baby
0: do Pair it do with do a couple do
1: brooks, do baby
0: do We do
1: love do good movies, we love the bad ones too so we watch them all ooh, and pass their ooh, lessons on to you. Ooh, oh yeah! Ban up, ban up, ban up, out.
5: up, ban up, ban up, ban Everything I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit groovier. With the one last black hole, a gratuitous boomerang. It's time to get busy with
4: your friend Steven Ising.
5: At EILFM.Podbean.com.
4: Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver Podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson. His iconic roles and how it's influenced our lives there's episode discussions interviews and life conversations the second podcast is the never gets old podcast where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life from TV movies music and comics the site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure.
0: We now continue with our program.